Como estas? Back to that. <laughs> Always trying to change it up. What do we say, fam? Welcome to Simplexity Podcast, where we take seemingly complex matters, and I don't think we're attempting any longer. We're doing a wonderful job at making them plain and simple. My name's Sammy Foster, joined with my co-host, the one and only Bootsy. How you doing? I'm doing it. I'm doing the dang thing. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Okay. Did you do anything fun yesterday? No, but I will tell you this. I plan on it this week as the the temperatures begin to rise. Yeah. I got a little of that spring fever setting in. Really? It seems... Wait a minute. Maybe a little... Spring fever in that I'm just excited for spring and summer. What else would that mean? Uh, There is a certain (laughs) connotation that comes with spring fever. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's a, like uh, an urge to clean, perhaps. There we go. Spring there, cleaning. Exactly. I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> I am getting ready to get after some spring cleaning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Having moved into the house and sort of shoved everything into the garage and planning on the spring's arrival to then situate some things. Yeah. Oh, man. Clean the yard up a little bit from the post-construction debris. Oh, a little, mm-hmm. little seed on the ground. Yes. I'm going to get into my lawn, mm-hmm. <laughs> mulch sounds... a couple beds. Uh, I'm going to have a green thumb when this thing is all said and done. Yeah. yeah. You know, the problem is I'm not ready for winter to end yet. Oh. Because I hesitate to say this, but um, I told Hannah we would go skiing Oof. this winter. Uh-huh. And I just feel like, I feel like, you know, we haven't gotten any snow. It hasn't been that, that cold. Yeah, it's just felt felt like a weird winter, and so I'm like, we this still is, need this some is, time. Uh, this is Maryland, yeah. just to keep in mind. I don't know if you 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 remembered that you live here, <laughs> but that being said, <laughs> there is still a lot of winter left. Okay, so we some got of March. our biggest snowfalls have have been historically in March. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't know you were part meteorologist. Yes, I am. Me and Justin Burke hang W-B-A-L, out. W B A L. Sammy Foster. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you this right now, Roundtop, Whitetail, and Liberty have very limited um, slopes open. Really? Yes. Yeah, it's not great conditions. That's why I uh, had to recently mm-hmm. go out to Vail. I like how you said you had to. <laughs> <laughs> the avid snowboarder that I am, yep. I will say I tore it up. Yeah. People want to sponsor me. Do <laughs> But I told him I'm a pastor. I, I really can't give. I my, can't accept my contributions except in the form of tithes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Let's get after it before I start lying even more. <laughs> okay. Today we got a big topic, one that comes as a passion point. Be the fact that you and I've been talking about this, and it's also I feel very congruent in some of the subject matters that you and I have been discussing. It's like a tributary of it. Okay. But very connected to it. Can you explain what a tributary is by chance yes, to those? I would say a tributary is an offshoot waterway okay. of a main waterway, like a little creek, little okay. river. Yep. You know, little uh you know, little something. Crick. Crick. <laughs> For okay. those of us that have been uh groomed in Dundalk. Yeah. Crick. <laughs> Down there with the old. Okay, so what is this tributary of a topic? This tributary is discussing the matter that we all have 
some considerably more than others, but this proclivity to be control freaks. Here's why I believe that it's a tributary. I believe that in the culture in which we, we live, where so many people are dealing with anxiety and fear and worry, the natural outworking of that is that we then try to control. Um, an insecure person typically is a very controlling person because the fear of either losing, whether it be relationships or financial security or what's going to happen in the future, I think all of our temptation is then to clamp down and try to dictate, you know, um, outcome. It's like a compensation. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And sometimes it goes, um, sort of unrecognized. And so... The reason that uh, you and I discussed this even before, but what we really arrived at in the present. See how I'm doing that? Do you see how I'm just I'm just connecting things? You're just painting a timeline. Yes. I want to make a big bold statement, Boots. Okay. Uh, this is going to sound this is going to sound major, and this statement is for those of us that are following Jesus. I'm gonna. I'm going to say that it is the foremost question that we, as Jesus followers, have to answer on the daily. Okay. And the question is, will we choose control or will we choose surrender? Mm. I think that's the question posed to the Jesus follower. Will you choose or attempt to control your own life? your own outcomes, mm-hmm. your own um, desires, or will you surrender to Jesus, his headship, his kingship, him controlling your life, and you can have one or the other, but you can never have both. And I really think that's the question that so many of us have to answer. And sometimes that question isn't even posed to us, and so we don't even deal with it. But a lot of us deal with the outworkings and the struggle that comes with being control freaks. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And um, this is something that you, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you just recently speak to a, a little business association? I certainly did. About this matter, which I think demonstrates this wasn't like a um, particularly religious or, or Christian church context. So you're exactly right. I think it just kind of paints the broad audience and relevance. Absolutely. Of of how um, it's in our nature to want to control, rather than the answer to that question of choosing surrender. We choose control. Instead. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, I'm I'm really grateful that I felt like that particular talk that I was invited to give. You know, it was open ended where the gentleman that invited me to come and speak to a couple hundred business leaders, entrepreneurs, you know, you know, startups. Um, he said, share on whatever you want, but I would like for you to really, you know, speak to, you know, your faith, your conviction, hmm. speak to Jesus. Yeah. And so I wanted to really What find, a cool opportunity. Yeah, it was a one it was incredible. It was truly an honor yeah. to to be there. Off my turf, more on their turf, but really invited that I don't have to govern. You know, he wasn't looking for pithy motivations and mm. you know, hey, just grow your business in three <laughs> simple tricks. Out work out, hustle, yeah. out grind. <laughs> Banks hate me for this one reason. <laughs> right. No, his heart was 
where does Jesus and business collide? Huh. And so um, really, when it comes to entrepreneurs and self-starters and really business growers, therein lies the real proclivity to be a control freak because there's a lot of burden that you carry and there's a lot of pressure you're under. You are, or so you feel, responsible for all of these various outcomes. Mm -hmm. Will you succeed or will it work? Or, you know, people looking to you for whether it be their livelihood, their benefits package, or they're the one who signs the front of checks. Yes. Yes. And so for that context, all the more those men and women are prone to be control freaks. But I believe that it's universal, that it's universal all the more as we give way to fear and anxiety that we don't even know it, but then we clamp down, as my father used to say, we white-knuckle life, gripping tighter and tighter. And um, I think I think the fallout is why I want to speak to this yeah. is because if it does go unrecognized that you give a ton of bandwidth and focus to controlling, it robs your soul deeply. It robs you emotionally. It robs you mentally. It robs you spiritually, most certainly, and actually Scripture is going to show us that it can even rob you generationally mm. and relationally. Um, one of the one of the most poignant portions of Scripture that really give a clear picture of how detrimental control freak living is mm-hmm. is found in uh, the sixteenth chapter of Genesis. Now, for those of us that that don't know, this this portion of Scripture is really the foreground of what would be a nation's divide. Hmm. It's it's the beginning of, and I want to read it. Can I read it real quick? Yeah. It's just five short verses. I'll have you out of here by three o'clock. I will cede control. Go ahead and read. (laughs) It says, now Sarai, not Sarah, Sarai. Because her name hadn't been changed yet. Come on, somebody. Abram's wife had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Mm-mm, watch out for Hagar. Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. No, notice what she thought. She concluded that she was barren because God had kept something from her mm-hmm. that she so passionately wanted. She then said, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Hmm. Abram agreed. Yeah. I, no, could, I could... No fight I, from Abram. <laughs> okay. Okay. I could add so much commentary right there. No need. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> Abram agreed. Oh, you, you sweet soul, Abram. Willing servant you are, to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Now, God had told Abram, I'm going to give you children 
to the multitude that you can't even count them. Speaking mm-hmm. of, from you is going to give birth to nations, and I'm going to raise up my people, and my kingdom is going to come, and my will is going to be done through your line and through your willingness and through you being close to me. And, and, and of course, Abram heard that and was thinking, man, I'm of senior years, so is my wife. I, I don't see how this can happen. Nevertheless, he was a faith-filled man, and God promised it. He said, I'm going to believe it until it took too long and he didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And then his wife sort of got anxious. This is, this is all of our propensity. Got anxious and thought, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Therein lies the control freak. Yeah. I'll control it. I'll dictate the outcome of it. Yeah. She takes her maidservant, that being Hagar. She then tells her husband, sleep with him. From then came Ishmael to this present day, to this day, 2023, rewind the tape thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago from that decision right there where where his wife thought, nope, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. We still are dealing with the fallout of her taking control rather than trusting and surrendering to God. Mm-hmm. Today, we still experience the divide between Palestine and Israel, the uproar in the Middle East. This is where you have Islam uh, that, that ultimately came through the line of Ishmael. Now, you know, Christians and Muslims are still fighting to this day. All of that could and, have been... And a- Jews, Judaism. Ab- absolutely. I'm so- actually, that's, that's what I meant, and you're exactly right. Judaism versus Islam... This all could have been avoided had Abram, being being the one that that God was looking at, gave the promise to, had stuck to the script Mm -hmm. and surrendered even when it got uncomfortable. Let's, let's, Let's pull this into our own court. The reality is whenever we get anxious, therein lies the temptation. Will we choose control or will we choose surrender? When we choose surrender, though it may take longer, mm-hmm. that's when his kingdom really does come. His promises do come to fruition. It may be uncomfortable, but yet it's still the choice that we have to choose. Um, and so many struggle with that. And I think so many people deal with the fallout of that because they don't realize, wait a minute, I'm doing life on my terms. Um, and out of that comes a ton of struggle, mm-hmm. emotionally, mentally, relationally, spiritually, even generationally. So you may be wondering, okay, I hear the problems of, of being a control freak and the, the struggle between right. control and surrender. I've got seven identifiers Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. from old Forbes. It's a Forbes article. Forby. Forby, as I pronounce it. Old Forbes. Yes. <laughs> and then we've just immediately <laughs> lost all credibility. So these are seven... Uh, the article is called Seven Signs You're a Control Freak and What to Do, What You Can Do About It. Mm. We're not going to go to them for that, though. Seven signs. Here we go. Number one, you aren't a good team player. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Lamar Jackson, anyone? Ooh. Had to take a dig, but I would agree. I love Lamar Jackson. Tricked uh-huh. you. I don't know. We'll see how do it works really? out. really? I do. Man's got to get his money. All right. Number two. <laughs> You believe you are 100% responsible for your success. There it is. Therein lies the issue right there. You feel like you are 
the captain of your own helm, and you will arrive yourself either in the port or out to sea. <laughs> Ultimately, you are responsible. Where does that leave Jesus? To live with that mentality, it begs the question, where does that leave Jesus? Can I tell you a little story? Yeah. Although, can I answer that question? Never mind. Go ahead. No, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Answer it. In your word picture, I was just imagining Jesus in like a lifeboat attached to the boat while you're... Man. Man. Do you come up with these on your... <laughs> really good, huh? I, I, I tried I, to stop myself. I have myself. no words. <laughs> you're, you're just like, that is profound. All right, what's the story? Okay. So you've probably heard me tell this before, but my father always used to give this this word picture or actually this this story that is it Jesus in a lifeboat? <laughs> Definitely not. Okay. No. He he would not stoop to such a level. Anyway, <laughs> he used to tell this story about this young young student that was learning to fly. Hmm. And um he was up in the air and he was sitting, you know, he had control and uh the teacher, which was, you know, the seasoned pilot, was sitting in the co-pilot's seat. And um, he looked over and saw that the young student was white-knuckling the steering wheel. I mean, he was very intense, mm-hmm. you know, you know, hands on 10 and 2, you know, staring straight ahead. And everything was very uptight, wherein the teacher then said to the student, I want you to let go of the steering wheel. Or let go of the controls. Yeah. The student immediately said, never. No way. I mean, I, I can't do that. We'll crash. Yeah. Of which then the teacher said, no, I'm telling you, as an order, let go of the controls. And so s- slowly the, the student let go of the controls. And the, the plane immediately dipped a little bit hmm. and then came back up. And then it, be, it began to completely level out. And the the teacher said to the student, you actually thought you were holding this plane up here, didn't you? Mm. And the student said, I did. He goes, no, 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 no. This plane is built to sustain itself. You're just guiding it in Mm. where it's to go. And I think in so many ways, it's incredible when you think about Jesus partnering with his creation, that his spirit tells us where to go. He wants to be our lead, our guide. He wants to counsel us in the truth. Many times we think, no, 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 we got to white knuckle this thing called life, and yet never experience the joy or the peace of what it is to simply follow him and simply at times make the course corrections that he tells us to because he ultimately wants us to lead us to a place far better than we could ever lead, lead ourselves. And, and he's the one who keeps us in the air, too. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Sus- preach, boots. Sustaining it. Okay. All right, number three. You invest a lot of time into trying to convince other people to change. Oh, my gosh. This is, this is, uh, this is so much of marriage conflict mm-hmm. right there. Is that why you uh, critique my outfit so often? No, I critique. I no, I critique your outfits because I love you, <laughs> and uh, I see so much better for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to guide. <laughs> I'm just in trying to lovely course correct. Course <laughs> okay, you spend a lot of time trying to prevent bad things from happening. Mm, mm, right. Okay. 
Uh, next one would be you don't delegate tasks. Right. That's a sign of a control freak. Next. Are you thinking of anybody as you're reading this list? I'm thinking of myself, pal. Oh, amen. Okay. So I was ready I for like that, that one. <laughs> was that the right answer, Pastor? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Got to get the uh, plank out of my own eye before Ooh. I try to come for your spec. And the last item on our list, you lack compassion for people who make mistakes. Why do you think that is? I think because control freaks tend to be perfectionists, and they're very scrutinizing of this thing could be better and that could be better. And so one thing about a control freak is they they seldom celebrate the wins of others, Hmm. and they seldom know how to celebrate their own wins. It's always, um, I think that's what a perfectionist is tethered to. It's always the need to improve or spotlighting the flaw. That's mm-hmm. a terrible way to live. Mm-hmm. And nobody really likes being around that person. Yeah. It seems it, like the the line between control freak and narcissist are kind of uh, correlated. I yeah. wouldn't say yeah. 100% in line. But just when it comes to like not wanting to celebrate someone else's win, yeah, it's almost like, well, that's an affront on your own wins or your own successes. Good. And so Good. I can't. I can't expend the the bandwidth to celebrate you. I'm too fixated on myself and what I have to control. Well said. Yep. But I don't know. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> but what do I know? It's such a. I think you know a lot. <laughs> oh, thank you. Beck, I wouldn't think Boots was a control freak, would you? He likes things a certain way. You are very persnicular. Persnicular. Yeah. You know, you, I mean, you like certain things, and so we've talked about this, Boots. I know. It was just your combination of particular and persnickety. Persnicular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I was thrown by. That's, that's one of my words. That's going in my... In that's my, a great word, actually. Persnicular. Yeah. But no, you are, you are very flexible, very easy, but yet I know, but you don't, you're not passive. You mm. are, like, you'll go with something even when you're not for something, but you let it be known, <laughs> I ain't into that. Yeah, I start pouting, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, no. your countenance changes a little bit. <laughs> your head nods get a little slower. Hannah probably knows exactly what I'm talking about right now. Yeah, and when you said, you're really flexible, she went. <laughs> <laughs> the lack of discernment that guy's got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got you snowed. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it nonetheless. So here's what I would like to request. I want you to rapid fire read them for our listeners and viewers that may not have picked up on all those because of my needless commentary that I added in between. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Here we go. Yeah. You aren't a good team player. You believe you are 100% responsible for your success. You invest a lot of time in trying to change other people. You have trouble maintaining meaningful relationships. Skip that one, apparently. Oh. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) I'm just like discovering a new list as I read it. You spend a lot of energy trying to prevent bad things from happening. (laughs) Did you say say that one, too? I did. Okay, good. I did say that one. All right. You don't delegate tasks. You lack compassion for people who make mistakes. (laughs) We just gave a completely different list. Yeah. I love it. Well, would you have anything to say for the, you have trouble maintaining meaningful relationships? Yeah. I think I... You're like, that's the most important one, (laughs) (laughs) Booty. I think you wind up pushing people away because it's just, 
a, a certain, uh, I, I was going to wrongfully use the word temperament, but it's a certain mentality on life that, that, that's off-putting, while at the same time, people don't feel valued around you because either you're always trying to change them or mm-hmm. correct them or one-up them. I think a control freak is often a one-upper. You know, I always got a better story. I always got a better hoorah. I I, I did something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing something more important. Nobody wants to hang out with that person. I mean, in the Christian circle, we will hang out because we're obligated to love one another. But in real life, in the world, <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> you wind up tolerating that person. Yeah, and so this should all the more incentivize us not to be. Control freaks. And you also, in, in, in loving that person and, you know, treating them well as a Christian, you still set up boundaries because they are a draining person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't necessarily want them as a close friend, regardless. Amen. Now, what, unfortunately, we just spoke to is, is to who some out there are married to. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, after this episode is over, we're going to pray. But I will say... <laughs> That becoming aware of one's proclivity to be a control freak is the first hill you have to conquer when it comes to overcoming this. Because you can't get to surrender until you first identify the problem. And so many people live with this, this you know, they're, they're labeled it or people accuse them of doing it, but within themselves they don't see that they actually do this or live like this, but it's a beautiful thing when you're able to own, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am constantly trying to be in control. Mm -hmm. Some people don't know the alternative. And the alternative... What else can I do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so the alternative is that we get to surrender to Jesus and say, you control, I'm going to follow. And I'm well aware that those that are listening, watching, hear that and go, that sounds very ethereal or very abstract or very theoretical, but it's not. It's not. And I just want to speak from firsthand experience. I have not completely conquered this temptation in my life. I can tend to be a control freak. I have very persnicular (laughs) opinions about certain matters, whether it comes to cleanliness and organization, or Ruth and I, we were driving to. Mm, I, mm. This one's gonna okay. hurt. Okay, let's let's go ahead and get honest. Yeah, let's do it. Pastor Sammy is getting ready to take the veil off. <laughs> the other day, we're driving to this event. I I I said, Ruth, you should come with me to this business leaders, you know, meeting. And so, um, I don't. I don't like it when Ruth drives. But yeah. Ruth, yet at the same time, can be quite the backseat driver as well. Not worse than me. I'm going to tell you that right now. The best thing any of my friends out Fact there... Fact check. <laughs> true that. <laughs> um, I am a terrible backseat driver. And if you ever drive with me, the best thing you could do is allow me to drive. <laughs> even your car. However... However, Ruth was sitting shotgun, and she started talking about, you need to go down this road and that road. We got into this so, argument. So it's a, it's not like a 
um, how you drive. It's just where you're going, like uh, the way to get there. Oh, no. It's a little bit of how. Okay. I can tend to be on my phone. Well. You know, <laughs> I can pump the brakes. I can almost slam into things. I get easily distracted. Then I drive fast. You sound like Hannah a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm driving to this event where I'm going to talk about being a control freak. Ruth and I are, like, yelling at one another in the car. I'm trying to control her attitude. Meanwhile, I had almost gotten into like three accidents. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not following directions. It was such a testament to, I haven't, I don't claim to have arrived here. Yeah. But what I do know is the alternative is that I can surrender and follow Jesus. And it is rather practical. I, I think this is the mistake so many people make when it comes to choosing surrender over control, we lack the practical outworkings of that, but I believe that Scripture gives us that. And so I, I want to just take a moment and deconstruct the theoretical or abstract nature of it and get really practical. This Do is, it. Okay. So it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, this is a, a charge to surrender. The writer, the, the Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's big. Big. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He didn't say, you know, a portion of, half of, mostly, mm-hmm. all your heart. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, all your ways, not some of them or the ones that you deem important. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. What he equivalated there is that surrender is a matter of trust. Hmm. Do you trust that Jesus actually being in control and you being the one following will actually arrive you at the destination that really is the desire of your heart and that is good for you. So in order to control, one must understand that has a lot to do with trust. Who's flying the plane? Come on. Come on. But then second to that, I want to read one more scripture. Okay. Do you mind? I don't. Okay. This one is the Apostle Paul writing the church at Colossae in chapter 3, where he says, whatever you do, whatever, whatever, (laughs) work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. I want that reward. I want it, (laughs) and I'm going to get it. Yeah. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So Paul says that in order to be a follower of Jesus, you are to work hard. Mm -hmm. Solomon says in order to be a faithful follower of Jesus, you must trust hard. Okay? Many times when it comes to this idea of um, not being in control and surrendering, People think wrongfully, oh, well, then I just need to sit back, relax, and trust that, Lord, whatever you desire is going to come to fruition. I'm just going to take my hands off of it. And then they lose their employment and don't go out and look for a job. Like, oh, God will just bring it to me. Or they they then ascribe or feel justified in being lazy. Like, I don't have to do anything. I'm mm-hmm. surrendering. Yeah. Or I can just resign myself from any degree of worry or responsibility. Why? Because the Lord's will is going to come to fruition. That is, that is abstract. Mm-hmm. I would say that is 
is nonsense. It's not a matter of resigning and feeling no responsibility for. It's a pairing of working hard and trusting hard at the same time. So some would say, hey, I'm surrendering. That means I'm going to trust, but that means I really don't have to work. Control freaks work really hard. The self-starters, the business, you know, I got to hustle. I got to make this happen on my own. They will work hard. They will work hard. Why? Because they feel I am solely responsible for the outcome. Yeah. Solely responsible for my successes too. Like one of those lists from the Forbes. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Forbes. That's right. But... It's not one or, it's both end. And so I want to say that a person that has fully surrendered to the headship of Jesus is one that works hard at whatever they do. At the same time, they trust hard that God is going to have his way in the outcome. So your responsibility is whatever I'm called to, in present, in this moment, or in my workplace, or in my family, or in my marriage, I'm going to work hard at it. But after I work hard, I'm going to trust, God, you're going to bring us to the place of arrival, and I can rest in that, and I'm going to find rest for my soul in that. So it's not one or it's both end. Does that make sense? It certainly does, my friend. yeah, it just it makes me think back to Abram, what we were talking about on the front end. Like yep. he abdicated his responsibility, you know, leading his family, leading Sarai. Yep. Um, and that was not trusting, and it wasn't working hard because he wasn't leading. Absolutely. So, now you could you could argue that he sort of worked hard. <laughs> hey, I won't go into it, <laughs> but he did not trust hard. He was the willing servant. <laughs> But he was not the trusting servant. He trusted in his wife, and he trusted in that particular avenue that was outside of God's will, so he still worked. He just didn't trust. Okay. I digress. <laughs> that, is, that is the most applicable I digress, I think, that you've ever heard. I'm just saying. Yeah. With that being said, though... Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love if we could cast kind of as we wrap up here, um, just a helpful framing for, okay, let's say I want to, every time you say trust hard, I want you to say, oh no, sorry. Every time you say work hard, I expect you to say play hard. (laughs) So it's like, that's what this happens. Hey, you got to work hard and you got to play hard, simplexiters. No, but so what does it look like to... Um, to work hard, but to trust hard as well. Is there a helpful framing that we can leave the listener or watcher with? Yeah, I, I, w- I would. I think that it's helpful. Actually, these questions came from um, uh, another leadership podcast by the one and only Craig Rochelle, mm. where he asked these series of questions to leaders. And I think the first question that one should really struggle or wrestle through is what is the area of life that you are trying to control? What is, what is for, for those listening, watching, what is that place of struggle that causes you sleeplessness or causes you anxiety or causes you to fear that you are trying to control that your hands are all in the thick of, and that you worry over Um, first and foremost, identify that. 
identify that because I don't believe if you don't define it, you can't defeat it. Hmm. You have to define where the struggle or the rubber meets the road. And then the series of questions to follow is, is that it is a really helpful thing to determine um, when it comes to what we worry about or give all of our bandwidth to, first and foremost, is, is it worth my concern? Is what I'm worrying over, where I give a ton of my mental and emotional bandwidth to, is it really worth my concern? Like, case in point, like, um, Lighthouse Church is a really big church. And it's not just big by way of those that attend and come on the weekend or are part of discipleship groups, small groups, various ministries. It's robust and big in all of the moving parts, in all of the moving parts, whether it's from the logistics to the admin to the staff to payroll to facility upkeep to making sure that we're raising up leaders for all of these various ministries, overseeing quality and, and safety. When it comes to LH kids, to LH students, to LH young adults, to LH ladies, to LH men, to weekend services, to LH midweek, there is a lot of moving parts. I can tend to, it's just the perspective that I live with, I can very much tend to walk into any given environment and see what I'd like to improve. Why? Because I'm, I'm very opinionated. I got, um, I'm opinionated, I see things as to how I want them, and in so seeing like that, I can look at a lot of things and go, um, uh, I'm concerned about that or I want that improved, or I need that tightened up, or we need to change the way we're doing that, on and on and on. There is no possible way I can spend all my concern in every single area. I'm, 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 I'm finite. I'm, I'm a, a person that has only so much bandwidth. And so as a leader and as an adult, I've had to really learn to delegate my concern appropriately. Mm -hmm. So there's a million spaces and places that I walk into and I go, I'd like to change that, or I'm not really satisfied with that. And I've just had to let go of that. Yep. Why? It's not worth my concern. Now, the areas that are, oh, whether it be quality or safety or, man, where we're going and these things need to line up, hey, I am then called to give my concern to that. But I cannot give my concern away everywhere. Yeah. It would drain me, and I would be a nervous wreck. I would be a mess. I have to ask myself constantly, on the daily, is this really worth my concern, Sammy? Yeah. Should I give another thought to that, or should I just let it go? Here's what I've learned. In a growing church, you can have, or a growing organization, or a growing family, mm. You can have growth or you can have control, but you can't have both. You can have growth or you can have control, I mean, and holistic control where you're dictating everything, mm -hmm. but you cannot have both. I've had to learn in the, in the matter of Lighthouse Church, this is God's church. Jesus is our chief shepherd. He's going to grow it. I do not want to get in the way of it. And so... 
with the growth, I've had to let go of control. Mm. And I've just had to trust, Lord, whatever you're doing, you're going to bring it to fruition. You're going to do it in the best possible fashion. I'm going to steward and be responsible for what you've entrusted me with, but I can't control it all. Yeah. Uh, I think that's where the question, like when it comes to, am I talking too much? No. Okay, thank you. I just needed a license. Thank you. And then take your and, license, Pastor. And then I talked for another three and a half hours. Yeah. Okay, that was a little much. <laughs> like, like, like when it comes to, and moms and dads are going to resonate with this one. Like, I was very, very sort of controlling. Ruth, I'm so, so sorry. I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it today. I'm so sorry. I love you, baby. Anyway, when we were first married and having kids, oh my gosh, everything had to be, you know, nice and jot and tittle and organized and clean. Yeah. And then we had Asher and then we had Lucia. And then I had the Tasmanian devil, <laughs> AKA Silas. Yeah. I mean, he's a one man wrecking machine. The idea of keeping the house clean all the time. I would be a hot mess if I was like, nope, we're going to have three kids and and a dog, and this place is always going to be spotless. Yeah. <laughs> I would be in a psych ward. No if I, smudges I, on the windows. No fingerprints. Oh, no. Counters are going to be clean. Get the heck out of here. I've had to resign myself of trying to control that and realize it's not worth my concern. My mm. concern should be, hey, I want those kids in this home to feel comfortable in their environment, not like it's a sterile doctor's office. <laughs> they are allowed to touch furniture. Yeah. You know, I've had to realize it's not worth my concern. That's a very trite and, and small example, but an example nonetheless of that I think we as control freak should ask, is it worth my concern? Yeah. You can't give your concern to everything. So you need to choose the most important uh, things that God has entrusted you to. Really, it's that idea of stewardship that we've talked about before. But what, has, what has he given you to, to steward and to give your concern to? Because it can't go to everything. Shouldn't. You're exactly right. Um, what else you got? Secondly, you have to really be honest with yourself when it comes to the question of, is it mine to control? Meaning there are some things that you are called to control. Meaning you are called to control when you wake in the morning that you are called to be responsible for how you lead yourself into your day. You are called to control, hey, I am going to work. I am going to work as unto the Lord. I am going to be a person of my of, of integrity. I am going to control my thoughts and my choices. I am going to control my finances. Why? I'm going to steward them wisely so that I have that I, I budget and make purchases accordingly. There is areas of our peer view that we have peer view over that we are called to control. I am to control my time to a degree, that mm -hmm. I steward rightly this portion that's been given me so that I can make good choices and that I'm rested up and that I'm ready for the next day. And there are choices that are yours to control, or rather, yours that are re you're responsible for. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, m many times it's that we're outside of our jurisdiction 
trying to control outcomes that aren't ours. I like to say it like this. When it comes to walking with Jesus, the, the beautiful balance is we do what we are capable of doing, and then we trust God with what we are not capable of doing. That's mm-hmm. being, that's, that, that would be outcomes. We are called to control our home environments as to what it is that we're allowing through our television screens, what it is that we allow our kids to give their little eye gates to by way of their screens, mm-hmm. what it is that we do by way of time when we sit down at the dinner table and how we treat God's word. I, I do have jurisdiction and dominion over that environment, so I'm going to control it to the glory of God and hopefully the joy of my sons and my daughter. But the outcome is not mine to control. That's yeah. why I'm not a helicopter parent. You know, when they want to go ride their bike, I'm not going to strap them up with three helmets, knee pads, elbow pads. They're not allowed to drink from the, you know, the garden hose. You know, <laughs> that's that's what happens when you try to control, like you try to dictate. They can't get hurt and they can't scrape a knee and, they, and nothing bad can happen to them. That actually leads one to think I can control outcomes. Yeah. No, you can't. No, you can't. I've been raised in the church. I was raised in a gospel-centered home where a mom and dad loved one another, loved me, loved my brothers, my sister. I mean, gave themselves heart and soul to me, and I still turned out to be a heroin addict. Mm -hmm. There is no fault of theirs that resulted in that. That was an outcome that was outside of their jurisdiction. They did everything they could, and I still went awry. Um, But what dad did do is he took responsibility for the home environment, and he left the results to Jesus. Yeah. And by God's grace, I came back. Why? Because my father loved me. He was heart and soul with me. And I always felt like he was a refuge to me. Mm. So after I got done with all my foolery and foolishness and sin and rebellion, and I was at the end of my rope, I knew I can go back there. Yeah. Why? Because he controlled an environment that screamed love scream forgiveness, scream grace, and even the outcome didn't initially go as planned, it ultimately resulted in that because of what he was responsible for. So just to clarify, to make sure I'm hearing you correctly, um, the first question being, is it worth my concern? That's almost like uh, an equation of cost analysis. Like, okay, yes, I could technically concern myself with the smudges on the window, but is it worth the fallout that I'm going to have or the the cost of relational equity with my children and good. them feeling like what you were saying, they're in a museum or <laughs> Cameron from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> um, whereas is it mine to control is more so a matter of responsibility. That's right. There is no equation there. You are responsible to lead your family. You are responsible for your finances. Yep. Um, so just to make sure that's kind of Absolutely. the correct parsing yep. out. Okay. I think uh, you, you, you said it well um, some time ago when you were talking about concerns. Concerns is a filtration system, almost mm-hmm. like it's, it's an economy lens that you look through and go, if I do give my concern to this, what will it cost me? Yeah. I think a lot of people concern themselves with a lot of things, never realizing what it's costing them. Yeah. It's costing you peace. It's costing you rest. It's costing you relational equity. It's costing you joy. And you think, nope, 
I'm going to give my efforts, my worry and stress to this because you actually think you can control that. Mm. And that's, um, that's, it's, it's a really heavy price to pay for something that you can't determine the outcome. Yeah. And so I think people feel very justified in their anxiety sometimes. I'm just going to give way to anxiety and fear. And look at all this that I concern myself with. Yes. You know? Yep. And it robs you. It robs you deeply. And it's not the way that God intended us to live. If we're responsible for everything and called to control everything, then what is he there for? In a lifeboat, (laughs) off in the sea. (laughs) With his floaties on. I mean, this is ridiculous. But then to your other point about control, there is... We do what we're responsible to do, and then we trust God with what He does. I think um, to be a person of surrender does not mean that you abdicate or relegate your responsibility to lead in the areas that you are called to. You know, like that whole idea about, and I know that it's it's very, you know, me being cynical and you know, facetious, but, you know, when it comes to, I'm just going to trust God to bring me, you know, some employment, you know, I'm going to, I'm so fully surrendered. I'm going to stay here on the sofa or I'm going to trust God to bring me a spouse. You don't do that when it comes to food, you know, you get up, you go to the refrigerator, you prepare a meal, you understand that you are responsible to do something so that you get something Mm -hmm. in the same way. I think for us, we are called to control that which the Lord's placed in our hands, whether it's our children or the environment therein, our finances. This is why God wants us to tithe. I don't want to get into it, but when it comes to that's that is a demonstration of surrender. Yeah. You've given this to me. I'm going to then take the first fruits, first portion, give it back to you to show I'm surrendering to you and I trust you. I trust you with the 90% more than I trust myself with 100%. It is a demonstration of surrender, but yet you are still called to take responsibility for your finances, your home environments, your work ethic, on and on and on. So, yeah, I hope that brings clarity. It certainly does. So is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? And then lastly, is it for God to control alone? Meaning, is it for God alone that this is outside of my responsibility and or control to dictate? Can I just rest in the fact? I talk to moms and dads all the time with wayward sons and daughters. I talk to um, um, married people that that one spouse has walked away from the faith or has given way to addiction and they will pace the living room floor and and do so prayerfully and 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 but yet anxiously and they actually are are striving in their mind to think what can i do to fix this mm-hmm. and i have to remind them this is for god alone you cannot fix this you cannot change their heart you cannot bring them back you cannot course correct what they've decided to set in motion. You can trust that, God, you're in control. So I am going to petition night and day with 
persevering prayer that you, being the one that's in control, can then bring resolve to this issue. Sometimes you get to a place in your finances where you are looking at everything accurately and you're thinking, man, I'm going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul and I don't know what to do. It's in that moment that you as a child of the king can go, Lord, this is for you alone. This is for you alone. I've worked hard. I'm now trusting hard. I've done everything within my responsibility. I'm going to give control over to you. For those that are waiting for a spouse, let me speak to the singles out there. This is a very prominent temptation to think, just like Abram and Sarai did, I'm going to take matters into my own control. And I'm going to go out there. If I, I'm just going to find a man. And I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find if, if if he can fog a mirror. If he's breathing, and, and 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 knows three words, I'm gonna take him. And then I'm gonna change him. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna evangelate him. And I'm gonna get him on the straight and narrow. And then I'm gonna marry him. That is you trying to control what is for God alone. And I know, oh, I know how hard it can be to be patient and to be one that scrutinizes. I want to speak to the ladies. Uh-oh. I want to speak to the ladies. You better control your standard and hold fast to it. Do not drop your guard and make men rise to it, or you're going to lead a world of hurting. Because as far as good men go, there is only four left. <laughs> so hold the standard and wait for one of the four to come to you, and then bring him by here. We're going to size him up. We're going to make sure that he's worth what to meet your caliber because you are a daughter of the king. Do not, do not try to control and think that you're just going to fix somebody. Hmm. I have been in the game a long time, and I've never seen it work. Hmm. I don't have anything in my repertoire to look back on and be like, oh, yeah, that actually works. You can change a guy. Yeah. Negative. That's and I got all the stats to back that up. So come holler at me. I'd like to I'd like to have that conversation with you. But then it comes to Lord, this is for you alone. I'm gonna keep my eyes fixed on you. I'm gonna hold myself to the standard you've called me to. I'm going to give my affections and my attentions to the right things, and I'm gonna trust you with the things that I cannot manipulate. And I'm gonna hold out for the four horsemen of eligible bachelors. <laughs> Amen. Uh, yes. And in that place, and in that place, this is what the apostle Paul tells us to do. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to end with a little I'm going to I'm going to give you I'm going to give some gold. This is this is what Paul says. He says in that place that you know, wait, this is for God alone. I've done what I've been called to do. It's beyond my purview of stewardship. That's right. Paul then says this. Do not then be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every. I like the emphatic nature of all of these of all these scriptures. Mm -hmm. It's all. It's whatever situation. It's in every situation. It's anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Why does Paul tell us to be thankful? Because he knows that when we really see, God, this is yours to control, and we trust that he's going to bring it into fruition, 
that should cause us a, a confident gratitude of going, man, I can trust him. I know he's going to come through. I know it's going to be to my benefit. I know it might not be the way I would dictate it, but I, with a grateful heart, can give you my prayer and petition, knowing that you are faithful. He says, present your request to God. And as a result, Paul says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that means that the peace is then going to overshadow your anxiety or the need to control. It transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. I'm getting ready to preach up in here. But I think that is the benefit of a surrendered life. Yeah, It's a peaceful life. It's a grateful life. It's a guarded life. And I think it's a really fruitful life. Yeah, and it's an effective life, too. Well said. Amen. Amen. Becca just pretended to drop the mic. (laughs) Say it, back. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Say what? You're getting sued. That's what. Okay, so everything should go the through Apostle the... Apostle Paul's going to sue you. <laughs> He's up there in heaven. <laughs> Forby. <laughs> we just mispronounce names to avoid that's getting it, sued. Uh, so it goes through the filtration process of, is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? Or is it for God alone? And then after that, once it goes through that, that's when we weigh out having to work hard, but also trust hard. Love it. So, Love that. That's good stuff, my friend. Work hard, trust hard. We equals surrender. Yeah. You work hard and I trust hard. Simplexity. Simplexity. And Becca... We're confused than when we start. <laughs> yeah. And Becca's just plain concerned. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. We also want to thank you for uh, those of you who follow us. Yes. Whether that's on Instagram at Simplexity Podcast or those of you who follow us uh, on your various podcasting apps or those who watch us on YouTube. I know we've been getting a lot of comments and such on YouTube. We love to see those. uh, We we appreciate that. Uh, If you guys haven't followed us. Do you ever watch yourself on YouTube? Well, you do recall I edit these. I'm sorry. I edit these episodes. That was a really dumb question. (laughs) So I get to see myself a lot, and it's unfortunate. Uh, Yeah, if you're ever annoyed with your own voice, don't start a podcast. Ooh, no doubt. Had to overcome that one. But uh, we thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you real soon. Love you guys.